Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Bear Style Podcast. On a Wednesday, talking some USC Trojan football, we got the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Normally have him on Monday. I was just traveling on Monday, coming back from my uh, quick vacation, but I am back now. We're going to get the coach on and talk to him about his thoughts about the upcoming USC football season. If you have any questions or comments for the show, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141. We also appreciate if you have an Apple product, an, I- an iPod, an iPad, you got an iPhone, anything that you can go to your Apple podcasting app, leave us some positive feedback. Five-star ratings are great. really helps to grow the show. So if you can have a, you have a few minutes to do that, tell us what you think about the show. But five stars are important. If you could do that, we would appreciate it. All right, well, let's bring in the coach. He is on the line. Coach, how are you? Ryan, I'm doing great, my friend. I hope you had a great Fourth uh, of July weekend, and uh, you were safe out there. And uh, I know that you are having a good time. You obviously do and try. And I hope all of our uh, listeners out there had a great Fourth of July weekend. And uh, just one more holiday down, and away we go towards football, possibly. Yeah, the, the time is clicking by, and I felt like you know I really felt like we would know a lot more by. You know, a week into July. Today, we're recording this on July 8th. It's a Wednesday. And it just happens to be the day that USC is starting phase two of their plan to integrate you know student athletes back on campus. We'll get to that in a minute. And this was something, I think it was six days ago, Coach, that uh, we heard from an email was sent out from the Uf- USC provost uh, that before we had heard from Carol Fult that they were going to have you know, mostly online, I mean, mostly on-campus classes. That was the plan heading into the fall. Well, you know, a little less than a week ago, that changed. And we didn't get to talk about this much on the podcast yesterday with Dan Weber and uh, Keely Yor. So I want to address it with you now, Coach. Uh, it was coming, I think the Daily Trojan actually broke it, uh, like I said, six days ago. So they announced in a university-wide email, on-campus housing and activities were going to be limited um, as far, and most, most of the classes were going to be online. So this is a big shift from what they said before. So undergraduate students primarily were going to be taking online classes and we've heard some different schools, uh, through the week, um, you know, for over the past week or so, some were, you know, going to be some kind of hybrid model. Some were going to be, I think Marshall school said they were going to be uh, completely online. I think uh, Annenberg, the communication, they announced that uh, it said they were 128 classes online and 50 hybrid classes, which would be a blend of in-person and remote learning in the fall. Um, and then a big thing is with the international students uh, with ICE, uh, you know, the, the government agency that said that international students, that if you're going to a college that would be primarily online, there's no reason for you to be in the country. 
and they would be forced to to go home to their home country. I know Harvard and MIT filed a lawsuit against the government. USC joined that. That was just uh, an hour ago or so as we record this that was broken. So a lot of, before we get into the football stuff, coach, a lot on the school side of things is up in the air and changing. And before it looked like a lot of the school stuff was going positively, like, hey, most classes are going to be in person. That's great. Now, if most classes are going to be online, that's not as great. So I, what are your overall thoughts on the, the academic side of things, Coach? Well, I think it's uh, <clears throat> making decisions before you have all the facts. And I think that's what they've done in most cases as far as saying, yes, we're going to have classes and no, we're not going to have classes before investigating the entire uh, scene as far as your own faculty, students, uh, the whole package financially, and it's all comes down to financial. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you can raise a, raise a tuition, uh, supposedly, now I don't know this, 3.5% at USC and not have campus uh, the college experience of going to class. So I think the timing and the thought of that is a little bit ridiculous. And plus, I think that if you look at the courses that are offered, they're probably going to be courses that are lab or small classes that can be held and you could have the people spread out and do their studies or whatever it might be in that type of setting. And I think the larger classes are the one that the professors, if nobody else, uh, are concerned with. I think you better check with the, uh, the professors, the teachers. Do you want to teach a class where 100 kids come in or 50 kids or 200 kids come in and you're lecturing up there and then those kids go out and another group comes in and you don't know where they go or what they do and, you know, kids are kids. If you watch... Uh, the news, you see kids doing a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing and then come back to your classroom. So I think that when you check the professors, I wouldn't be in favor of teaching uh, as far as my class on campus. Uh, maybe if I'm 60 years old or 65 years old and uh, I'd be, you know, somewhat questioned. I'm in that age group that uh, that uh, is, you know, in dangerous area. So I think you've got to look at the whole thing and find out what you're doing before you go out and announce things, and then you look foolish doing that. But it seems to me very strange, Ryan, how you don't have students on campus, but it's all right to have football players on campus, and it's all right for the football players to work out. It's all right for the football players to go out and be around people. And remember, you've got coaches, too, that are older, and you've got a great staff and big staff that's out there, and you're going to be... How are you going to be practicing? How are you going to be doing things? I mean, it's all right for that to happen, but it isn't all right as far as the students come on campus. So I think you've got to look at the whole picture here and see what's really going on. And personally, I think it's decision time. Like this, like this is like, I, I feel like you're right, though. It's decision time. Like we need to make some kind of decision. I think Pete Thamel from uh, Yahoo a couple weeks ago, now it's probably eh, maybe over a month ago, was like, you know what? It might be better just to say, why don't we just delay it till January or February? Just delay the season. Because then you can line up all your TV deals and stuff. I kind of liked the idea at first. And uh, that was my initial reaction. It was pretty much went over like a lead balloon. People were like, no, they want to figure out a way. I think now we're getting to the point, Coach, where I have a really hard time picturing USC and Alabama, you know, kicking off, uh, you know, at AT&T Stadium in Jerry World uh, on time, the way we thought it was going to happen. 
with all these people traveling to, uh, you know, across the country to play this game. I just have a hard time picturing that happening right now, coach. And I, I feel like it, it seems like that's the writing on the wall. I mean, I, I'd love to see the season happen like it should, but I just, I'm not really optimistic right now. And I, but I feel like you're right. We need to make some kind of decision now. Like, yeah, you're going to do it, commit to doing it. Let's do it or delay it. And we'll figure something else out. Well, you know, the worst thing you could do is start the season, then cancel it. Okay, Ryan? Yeah. That's the worst thing you do. Then you really look bad. Then you don't have a plan. But, you know, the way the testing's going, the way the virus is going, and the vaccine and so on, uh, as far as there's a possibility that could be maybe in the, the fall or the spring or so on, I, I would uh, – and football is what I, what I do and what I'm a part of. But if I'm a head football coach or I'm an athletic director, hey, I don't feel good about this, okay? I don't feel good about having my coaches and my players be thinking more about whether I'm sick or if I'm going to get sick rather than competing to win football games or volleyball games or whatever sport it is and feel good about being around their teammates and being around people and going to school and getting a college experience. And I think it's time uh, with the numbers the way they are. It's not just the Pac-12. Not just USC, but they all the NCAA get smart, get smart and say, okay, things haven't turned out the way we wanted it to be. So why don't we make it something that we can plan on and have happen, and have a football season in January, February, have it February, March, and April with a regular season, have two seasons in in twenty one, the spring and the fall. That way you eliminate spring practice. You don't have to have spring practice. You have recruiting, you go through all of that, you have everything, you just make an adjustment for a year, and you feel good. As a football coach, you can make plans, you can get your travel plans, your hotel plans, all the things, your concessions, and maybe fans in the crowd, in the stadium. But people got to understand that this is not a, a game we're playing with this virus, this is the real deal. And football is a game. And you just can't have kids go out and play and and do these type of things for the financial gains as far as for an athletic department, you've got to do it for real. And if you can do it for real and you can plan it and you can have a spring football season and a fall football season, so be it. But let it be right and do it right and don't have to cancel it and let you feel good about going on the practice field or being together or watching films together or eating together and all the things that are necessary to do. Yeah, no, I agree with you, coach. This is, uh, and the the issue we mentioned with the international students and USC joining that lawsuit, I mean, part of it is you got students from all walks of life signing leases. Like, it's not just, okay, we're going to start and you can just, you show up. Um, I mean, th there's plans that kind of need to be in place. And I feel like that now it's like, you're, we're getting to the time, um, that, you know, before you were hearing late June, early July, you kind of need a decision. Now people are saying, well, you know, by the end of July, first week of August, you need to know. I'm like, man, I, at this point, I, I think you got to make some kind of big decision soon. And I feel like the Ivy Leagues are, are starting it, you know, where, you know, some of these, you, there's some of the maybe lesser programs out there are going to make decisions earlier on. And then I think that's going to kind of trickle down to some of the power five. And obviously, you know, you're the SEC, you're the Big Ten, you're the Pac-12, like, you don't want to say, all right, well, we're not going to do this, especially if you're like the Pac-12 saying, hey, we're not going to have a season starting on time. 
and the SEC doesn't agree, and they say, well, we are. Um, you hope everyone's kind of together in that decision, and I just don't know at this point because it could be a situation where, hey, California, you know, USC's plans uh, to return haven't been approved by the state, and they're not going to be able to do things on time or whatever it is, or it could be an L.A. County thing, and, you know, in, in Tuscaloosa and uh, in College Station – they're ready to go. You know, they're, 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 we're going. It doesn't matter. So that's where we're, we're getting to that weird gray area where does the Pac-12 call things off and then the SEC doesn't? Or I, I don't know. It's just a weird time. Well, you know, you've got to make decisions. The SEIAC, which is the Oxys, Whittiers, and so on, they made a decision that they're playing no non-conference games. They're just playing conference games, seven games this season, and they're all within an hour bus ride or two-hour bus ride between the campuses. So you know, they've somewhat made a decision. They're going to camp on August the 20th and playing their first game on October the 1st. Well, they've made this, uh, of course, I, I believe, pending. Everything continues to go positive. But again, at least they've got a plan. I mean, there's no plan in place. There's no plan that's being discussed. There's no unity. It's uh, one conference is going to do this. One school is going to do that. Someone else is going to do something else. I mean, how can you do that? How can you go into anything like that as far as with adults that are presidents and people that are making a million or two million a year to show leadership and to do the right thing? And I really feel the right thing. This is me as a football coach worried about my players and as students and their families and everything else that were at a point where I think the worst thing that could happen, we fly down to Arlington, we get there. Alabama arrives and they've got 20 viruses that they've just checked on and they got, and we can't play the game. Now, how does that look? I mean, uh, you can't, you can't have this type of stuff. You've got to be able to be organized. And I think the best thing is to have a plan, put it together where it would probably work, have your recruiting, the kids that sign, have your same signing date in December. You put those people on scholarship at the beginning, uh, at the end of, uh, Next February, they go on scholarship. They gray shirt their first semester. You give your seniors the option of another year of eligibility by the NCAA. They can come back and play or play a spring and a fall. I mean, it, you've got to have a plan so people can plan and coaches can plan. And, and we know what's going on, but there's no plan. It's just like a, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. It's this, one day it's this and one day it's that. And I made the decision two days ago is, hey, if no one can make a decision, I'll give everybody my thought. And I love football as much as anybody that it's time to make a decision, cancel it, and get ready for a new plan. Yeah. Well, uh, we mentioned the Ivy Leagues. And just as we were recording, there's some breaking news. Uh, John Rothstein tweeted this out. Sources, Ivy League programs, have been informed that fall sports have been canceled. The conference will not entertain any sports being played until after January 1st. Winter sports will have an update in mid-July on their respective practice schedules. So um, if you remember, they were the first, I believe the Ivy League was the first to cancel uh, their conference tournament and uh, you know, I think spring football. So the Ivy League's sort of been ahead of the, the curve a little bit, Coach. I don't know what you think about that, but uh, probably – Probably not a good sign for college, general college football. No, but at least they're showing that they can make a decision. And I think that's uh, in the best interest of everyone concerned. And uh, I think the other conferences uh, have to make uh, or do or 
show great leadership too and say, you know, if the NCAA isn't going to mandate something or put a plan together with everybody on conference calls or whatever they have to do to make a plan that affects everybody, then uh, conferences have got to do it on their own for the best interest of the Pac-12 or Big Ten or whatever. We're not playing. And if enough conferences say we're not playing, then who are you going to play? So I think that you start organizing then for the spring and you see where you are. But, you know, right now you're affecting so many lives and so many different things that are happening that I just think it's time uh, to make that decision, just like they're making the decision on online courses. Uh, well, you've got to if you if you're forcing kids to take online courses, how can you ask kids to travel in planes? do all these different things, dress in strange locker rooms, do all these different things that you have to do, be around each other continuously, and uh, without worrying about the health before you worry about the competition. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, uh, this is this could easily be the first domino towards not having a uh, college football season. I don't know. We'll see. But USC is still going forward with, with their plan. If you remember... Phase two for the return of athletes, you know, student athletes to campus uh, was supposed to start uh, on Monday, actually, uh, July 6th. Um, Keely, you put in the war room uh, last Friday. That, that was going to be delayed a couple of days. That ended up happening. So it's starting actually today, uh, July 8th. Um, so it's today is uh, is Wednesday. And now student athletes that are outside that one hour uh, radius of campus, they can come to campus. And, you know, the big thing is there's going to be housing provided. So that's the bigger step where before it was just local kids could come back and work out. Now it is, you know, Hey, you can come, you know, if you live in Oregon, you're, um, you know, whatever you live in Texas, wherever you're living, you can come to campus, stay on campus and, uh, start working out with the team. Um, phase three is supposed to start, uh, next week. So we'll see if that ends up going as planned or if that's delayed. But right now there are, um, you know, as far as the phase two starting, they're starting. So we should see student athletes, more student athletes back on campus. Um, there'll be more testing and all that. We'll see number, you know, USC's numbers have been really good. Only a couple people had tested positive. We know of a couple of football players that, uh, that, you know, nothing's been made public yet about uh, them specifically, but We've heard about that a little bit, but coach, any thoughts on, you know, USC rolling along with their plan to return the student athletes to campus right now? Well, you have to, if you're going to compete, you have to, you have to follow the, the rules that you're given and you've got to be able to do what you have to do. But the, if there's a football season, you got to be ready to play because you know, your opponents are getting ready to play. And if I'm a football coach and I can do this and it's my job to prepare my team for the opening game or for the entire season, I got to do it unless someone makes the decision I shouldn't do it. But uh, you got to do that. You got to do it to the utmost. You got to worry about the safety and all the things we talked about. But you got to get ready because uh, if it's phase two, then it's phase three. And before long, you're in fall camp and you're ready to get ready for a, a football game. It's really going faster. This summer seems to be going faster to me than other summers. I don't know why, but it seems to be. So football season's right around the corner. So you have to, you have to get ready to play because no one has told you anything different. Yeah. Um, well, we know there's no Ivy League football. Uh, so let's see where we go from here. If some of the group of five conferences start making similar announcements, um, 
you know, at this point, maybe it's better to delay. I, I just don't know. I'm still holding out hope. I'm more of an optimistic guy. You know, hopefully that something works, something happens and we can, we can have football, but I'm, uh, I'm certainly less optimistic than I was before. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, answer some of your questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Let's go to uh, email from Paul in Gator Country. He's, his, the subject is Alabama game and COVID. Hello, Ryder team. Love your show and glad we are moving towards playing college football. Keep up the player interviews. Really enjoy learning about the players. Kyle Ford is very impressive and has a great attitude. So we, we interviewed Kyle Ford a couple weeks ago. He was great. Uh, we had him on camera. Uh, I, ho- I hope and pray he heals up quickly and can play. My question any word on spectator attendance at the Alabama game and how I would buy tickets? Also on COVID, do you know if USC is doing the antibody test of the athletes? And if have you heard of results? If someone has the antibodies, how does that affect whether the person needs to be tested like other players who haven't had COVID? Uh, sincerely, Paul in Gator Country. And real quick on the last part, uh, the, plan, the Pac-12 wanted, the mandate was everyone's going to be tested for both antibodies and the virus. I haven't seen anything specific on if a player tests positive for the antibodies, they don't need to be tested for the virus anymore because uh, there have been some reports where people have got it twice. So I've not heard that at all, Paul. But they, you know, according to what the Pac-12 and, and what USC announced, there's going to be testing for both antibodies and the uh, and the virus. And, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you can, uh, you know, just because you've had it tested doesn't mean you can't get it again or or – I hope you never get it ever. But, uh, Paul, I, I want to f- see college football. I don't know what there's going to be an Alabama football game. you got to prepare for it and you got to believe in it. But there's a lot of things good that have to happen, and that's uh, the changing of what the pattern has been in the virus cur- currently right now. Uh, you're in Florida, and you know what's going on in Florida currently right now. You know what's going on in a lot of other states, in Texas, Arizona, and California. I mean, the numbers are worse now than they were before. So uh, I think these are the things you have to look at to be realistic to see if there's going to be a football season. Is there going to be a Rose Parade? Is there going to be a lot of these events? Every, every main event that I know of in the fall has been canceled already. So I don't know 
how they will not have to be forced possibly to to cancel football uh, with the uh, virus the way it is and the way it's increasing. So, you know, I want to see a football season. I definitely do. But I look at the numbers and I look at what's happening and I say, how? Tell me just why. How are you going to do it? If someone could explain to me how you're going to do it and control that, then maybe everybody ought to listen and do it the way they're going to do it in football, and maybe we'll get rid of all these numbers that we're seeing. Because right now people in some places aren't caring. When I see pool parties and people on the beaches and no mask and so on, well, they don't care. And they think that they're you know, not going to get it or they don't care they're going to get it. But other people care. So you got to worry about other people, too. You can't just worry about yourself and who you take it home to or who you visit with or whatever else. And this is the same thing with football players. You know, what are you going to do? Keep them in quarantine for the entire football season where they can't be visited by the parents or anything? Uh, how do you do this? I just want someone to explain it to me if they're going looking at the same numbers that I'm looking at and everything else and, and seeing the the least the least thing I'm concerned with is getting tickets to the Alabama game. Yeah. That's a that's the last thing I'd be concerned with. And and that's but yeah, you know, I think he brings up a good point as far as one of the other problems, the longer you delay deciding what if the season's going to start on time or not and all, everyone's travel every you know we don't know everything is going to be on hold and that's not the most important thing obviously the most important thing is the the welfare of all those student athletes that are you know putting their they're sacrificing their bodies for free you know they get college tuition and that's it um you don't want to put them in harm's way but the longer we delay and you're not sure if there's going to be a season it the logistics of having one become that much more difficult where it's not just figuring out how to get the team there. And, and, you know, it's the, the, the families that want to go, the fans that want to go, uh, especially when you're talking about a game, it's not a home game. Um, you know, if this was USC at Alabama, you can figure out people can come in Tuscaloosa and just go to the game. This is all, everyone's traveling from both sides. So I think for games like that, those neutral side games, you need a, a much quicker decision because I think if this is, if you're talking about Ohio state, in Oregon, I think that's week two, though. Um, that's in Eugene. If you're an Ohio State fan, and you can't. You were going to travel that game, and you can't. You're probably not going to be able to go anyway because there's going to be some limited capacity in in uh, Autzen Stadium anyway. It's probably better to just have the home fans there, and, and that's probably about it. This is where there's not going to be really any home fans. I mean, you just got the local people. If you want to bring people from Alabama, bring people from Los Angeles. Um, you got to. You kind of need to know early on. So. I'm sorry, Paul. We just don't know at this point. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't plan on it. To be fair, I mean, I'm supposed to be covering the game, and I've I've got in my mind like I'm probably not flying to Dallas uh, in early September. Right? Who knows? I'm hoping that I can, but right now in my mind, that's probably not happening. And I would have to agree with you. And I think this is why we said at the beginning of this podcast, it's decision time. Okay. Let's end all this speculation on what's going on. Let's make a decision. You're all adults out there. This is the way it's going to be and start looking at something that's really realistic where we don't have all these questions and what if this and what if that. Let's make it definite, move on and get a plan so everybody can sort of take a deep breath and say, good, I think that was a good idea. Now we can get ready in February, hoping to. Maybe by that time there's a vaccine where the stands can be full 
everybody will be real hungry, and I think the NFL will probably play. So the NFL can play so we get our fix on football Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Everybody can watch NFL football four or five days a week, and that'll fill the void before college football comes back, and then college football won't have any competition against the NFL. Yeah. All right, let's go to a voicemail question. Uh, Here we go. Hey, podcast. Once again, thanks again for all the input and information you guys put out every week. It's really appreciated. This is Rick from the class of 1989. Um, got, a couple, got one thing I wanted to point out. I'm just curious. What does it take for the team to get kind of a tougher mental attitude? I remember in the Carroll era, it's like every team that we played against had the star player. And I don't know if that guy had a target on his back, but by the end of the game or midway through the game, that guy didn't want that offensive player did not want any part of the ball anymore. For instance, I remember Deshaun Jackson was this unbelievable player out of Cal, and I remember waiting for the big matchup against our our DBs, and I remember he got the ball a couple times in the first quarter, and he got hit evidently so hard that uh, he failed to play the rest of the game, or they held him out and said, we're not going to waste him. He's going to get hurt more. So, And I did recognize that we also seem to do that against Utah with their running back. So the question is, what does it take to get that sort of mental attitude that we had back then to this team? Because it appears as if we have the the high-star players to have the talent to do that, but for some reason they're not doing that. And I'm hoping that the new D.C., the defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando, will have the ability to get the players over that hump. The other question I had is, if you could take our offense last year and the stats they had and maybe intermingle that with, like, the Cal defense – and if you could pit Cal, put Cal's defense with our offense, I wonder how we would have done against our schedule. Thank you very much. Look forward to hearing your answers. All right, Coach. How do you create that tough mental attitude? Well, first of all, you know, uh, you can't make it up. You've got to have that philosophy. And I think that uh, on the defensive side of the football, they're trying to create that. And on the offensive side of the football, it's not really that type of football they're playing. It's a little bit more of technique and taking advantage of defensive uh, secondary calls and this and that. So it's a little different time than what it used to be. Plus, when we coached and when we coach, we always look as Desant, as uh, you're talking about this Deshaun Jackson out of Long Beach Poly who went to Cal. I thought he was going to go to USC, but he went to Cal. Uh, you know, you sort of uh, held grudges and you want to prove things that you made the wrong choice. Now, I, I don't know if they have that today. I think the kids are more friends than what they used to be. There was more pride at that time that you made the wrong choice. And and you want to really prove this to the guy by, I don't want to use the term take him out, but uh, put a couple of good hits on him. I mean, legally, good hits, good solid hits. And They've taken a lot of that out of the game right now as far as getting after guys. We knew the guys that were in the – that there were the stars, and we knew the guys that were in the game that if they weren't playing, they wouldn't be as good. We knew all that, and uh, we sort of defense for that. And we didn't play dirty, but uh, we knew that if he didn't make any yards or we knew that if he got intimidated or we knew that if he ran the option and we hit him every play – and he knew he was going to get hit every play, that it would disrupt his play. And uh, we would coach that way. 
And I know a lot of you guys played that way. And it wasn't dirty football. It was just hard-nosed, tough football. We practiced that way against our own players. It wasn't like, you know, we just did a game day against opponents. We did it every day. When our receivers went against our DBs, our DBs would say, you better not come into my area because I'm going to take your head off. Well, that was just the, the way that things were taught and things were done. Now, today it's not as full as far as practice like we had in those days. It's backed off a lot because of NCAA rules and and uh, safety precautions and so on. And, uh, and there's less scrimmaging, there's less hitting that's going on, so it's very difficult to bring that type of mentality into the game when you're not practicing it every day and when you're not forced to play at that level, not just to play, but to protect yourself. Really, basically, if you don't hit back, you're going to become the nail and not the hammer. So it becomes two giant hammers playing against each other, which is what he's trying to develop and what you're trying to develop as a head football coach or a team that's very physical. So you have to look at that, and to be physical, you have to practice against being physical and be physical all the time when you can be physical. And today, uh, a lot of programs don't believe that. A lot of programs practice differently. Uh, they don't take advantage of the days that they can go live or do hitting and do things. They, uh, they just do it because they're more worried about injury, which I have always said that your body has to be conditioned for contact. And when you don't practice w- uh, for, with contact, you don't condition your body for contact. And when you play only once a week and you get hit, your body's not prepared for it. So it's more or less a, a conditioning thing that you prepare your body for like anything else. And if you only do it once a week, it's just more difficult for you to recover, more difficult for you to take a hit or, or give a hit. Yeah. Uh, the other part, Coach, was what if you mix USC's offense with Cal's defense? And the as far as like so like the number of plays that USC's defense gave up last or faced last year, 71 and a half and Cal was 72 and a half. Uh, USC gave up 408 yards. Cal gave up 390 yards, average 5.7 yards per play. And Cal gave up 5.4. Um, so there wasn't like a lot of a, a huge difference, I guess you could say with, um, you know, the, the yardage, the big difference is points. Uh, USC gave up almost 30 points a game, 29.4 Cal's defense gave up 21.9. So, um, you know, you're talking about a touchdown difference between USC and, and Cal. That could make a big difference if you have a, a touchdown better defense and, and USC's potent offense. What do you think about that? Well, I think uh, I really believe that when you play great defense, it certainly gives your offense a, a better shot of winning. And uh, I'm not saying that they didn't play great defense at USC, but you heard me talk every week on our podcast or any of my shows. I somewhat questioned personnel where they played, questioned contained, questioned a lot of different things, coverages, breakdown in coverages, and and out of position a lot. I, I did, and, and I think that has a lot to do with great defensive play. You know, you don't need to run a lot of defenses if you got great players where they can allow them to play and not think. You know, you can be pretty good. When you try to fool people all the time, then it's, it's more difficult and you fool yourself. So I, I think that they'll be improved this year. I've, uh, I, I, I sort of like the change in philosophy. I think they should be good. Everybody's raving about the, the personnel they have on the 
defensive side of the football, and they got what, 17, 18, 19 starters back at USC. Hey, that's a lot of starters to have back who's had a lot of experience. Now you got to make sure you get your right players on the field on the defensive side of the football as well as the offensive side of the football, and you have a philosophy where one compensates the other and the other helps the other. And and unless you do that, then you're really uh, trying to – you're beating yourself rather than trying to beat your opponent. So, you know, you've got two different really types of philosophy. You've got a philosophy where you're throwing the ball almost every single down, and people say they're equal. Okay, you might talk about it being equal, but it isn't equal. They're a passing football team. And on defense, you're trying to be tough against a run in the pass where it's difficult to become tough on the run, but you don't see the run to work against it. So you've got to be able to somehow help your defense by working against the defense with some running game that's really good. So they can be ready to pursue and go down the line of scrimmage and do the things that are necessary to start a stop a real powerful type of running game, which they haven't been able to do every time they face one. So that's the best way to answer that. I mean, uh, you know, numbers don't prove anything. I'm not a stat guy, okay? I mean, all these people say, yeah, we had so many yards passing, we had so many this and that, but what was the score? What was your record? You know, I'm not in for setting a lot of stats or records. I'm for winning. So I think that's the best thing you have to do is find a way to win. Yeah. You got to find a way to win. And uh, a lot of focus on the offense, Coach. Um, we The last few questions have to do with that. Quick one from Don. How much is Keaton Slovis's success due to the system and how much is due to his ability? What do you think, Coach? Well, I think it's a combination. I do. I think he's put in a position where he has the opportunity to be successful because he's been throwing to great receivers. And uh, the the offense is what really uh, is for him. I mean, they, they stand back there and he throws the ball. And like I've said before, uh, a lot of these great receivers catch the football and run another 20 yards and makes uh, make big yardage and he gets credit for it. But when you throw the ball and the whole offense is designed around your talent, then you should be able to uh, perform. And he's a type of kid that's very competitive. He's a type of kid, I think, that had a tremendous year as a freshman football player. I think there's still ways to make him a better football player by helping him with the number of plays and the things you do with him offensively. But I'm concerned about him being a standing target. I'm concerned about him getting knocked out, as he did, and also JT, JT did last year. So I'm concerned about how you protect him more than anything else not how many yards he gets and throws the football, but how do you get through a season with him? How do you find a way to get him through the season where he can be there when you need him and you're successful to beat the, uh, beat the beat right people? So, you know, I think he had a great year, but everything was built around him and what they do offensively. So if you've got some skills uh, and you can do what you do, then if he didn't do that, what would they be like at USC if he didn't throw the ball right? Yeah. So he does a good job. No, I, I agree. I think Keaton has been great, like better than I thought. Uh, but the system to me is a huge deal. And it's not, I'm not taking anything away from Keaton. I think JT Daniels would have had a great year too. It was just so much better <laughs> as far as like a plan goes. I know you might not like, well, they throw it too much or this or that, whatever it is. But it was a, it was a system that was run by one guy that was very clear to the players. It was easy to run. Uh, and I feel like you just put players in a better position. If you were really good at teaching the triple option or whatever it was, and you just knew, and that's all they focused on, and you knew to do it well, and you had some guys that were good at it, 
that would be great. You know, you just need someone before USC had just too many, you know, there was too many cooks trying to, you know, spoil the soup or whatever. It just, there was too many people with their hands in it. It wasn't this comprehensive, cohesive plan. And that's what Graham Harrell brings. I think he's got that plan and Keen Slow has learned it. It didn't take him that long. He excelled in it. I think JT Daniels would have as well. So yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think there's both like coach said. Uh, we had another offensive question um, about expectations. What are your expectations for USC this coming year? Keen Slovis is considered a star and a top quarterback. Helton has been the head coach for several years, and he must be considered a good coach by USC. And he put in parentheses, he's still here after disappointment after disappointment. Harrell is regarded as a top offensive coordinator. Many returning starters. What is there not to like about USC's chances? I, hey, Dot, I agree with you. I mean, USC brings... 85 or something percent of the production back, whatever it is. Uh, I think they're going to be better on defense. They're going to be better on special teams. I think they can be even better on offense with the second year of Keaton Slovis. So yeah, I think there's there's reason to have high expectations if there's a season, obviously, uh, with what USC's kind of put together, despite all the questions about who the head coach is. No, I agree with you. They've got great athletes, and if they take advantage of their athletes, that's who wins football games athletes and then coaches not messing them up making sure that you you recruited them for a reason you didn't just recruit them to recruit them you recruited them because you thought they could play then you have a plan for them as far as putting them in a position where they can be successful and the team can be successful and they have the type of talent they should be like playing Alabama you know Alabama has the same football tradition or SC has the same tradition as Alabama don't you know Everybody's running scared of Alabama and so on. They shouldn't be running scared of Alabama if you're USC. USC should be able to play, and as they have in the past, all those schools. They're making a difference who you are. So you've got to be able to think big to be big. If you don't think you're good, you're not going to be good. Yeah, I, I would have to be selling my team to play Alabama and saying, I can't wait to play Alabama. We've been waiting for this. It's time to play Alabama. It's time to prove who we are. And if I'm the type of coach that's got the right assistant coaches around me, I've done the right plan and put the right game plan together to play them. Otherwise, just call them up and say, you beat us 1-0. We forfeit. I mean, you got to go in to be uh, believing you're going to win. And why shouldn't USC beat everybody? Uh, I think when you look at their schedule, uh, I would go into the schedule with the idea we're going to go undefeated and take one game at a time, one play at a time, one quarter at a time not worrying about stats or anything else. And if somebody goes down, somebody steps up, find a way to win, get it done. But you know, everybody talks about Alabama, nothing against Alabama. They were 11 and two and he's upset about it. And I don't blame him, but that's Alabama. Well, why can't USC feel the same way? We were eight and five last year and we're not, we don't feel good about it. And we got to prove that we should be better than that. We don't want to go through another off season where they question our coaches and so on. And I think that's up to Clay Helton to prove that and get his team ready to play and be the leader of that team and be the leader of that coaching staff to prepare them that who cares about Alabama as far as in your own locker room. You're not telling anybody else this, but among your team, you're saying we're looking forward to every single challenge we have. And we're going to go out there and we're going to leave it on the field. When we come home and get on that plane to come home or wherever we're headed, we know we did our best. And I think that's the attitude you got to do everything with if you're USC. No, I think you're right. And I think when, you know, when I've talked to the coaches and players, like that's what comes up. You're, Hey, you got to, 
next game is Alabama. You know, that's a big deal. I think what takes away from that a little bit right now, coach, is they don't know if it's going to actually happen or not. And so I think you're, you're right. Your focus has to be on Alabama. That gets your attention. If you're opening up with San Jose State and like you had someone good like Ohio State or something game two, that's one thing. But to open the season with a road trip to Alabama is like, okay, you know, that there's no there's no uh, easing your way in. You're jumping. You're diving in. You're not sticking your toe in the pool. You are diving in head first and uh, hoping everything tur- turns out well. But it's it's hard, I think, to ask some of these players to be like very focused on this when they're not even sure, you know, if they can work out with the team yet. So I, it's a weird time. But that's the kind of game, coach, where you think about it all off season, where you know. We're opening with Alabama, and there's you know th- you saw it four years ago what happened. You want to avoid that at all costs, but you got to be ready. So yeah, I, I think this is a team that's going to have high expectations. I wouldn't predict that they're going to beat Alabama, but I feel like if you're USC, you're a good enough team where you think you're going to go out like you said, coach, and beat everybody. You got to feel that way. If you don't feel that way, you better get another job. Yeah, <laughs> it isn't going to happen. So, and you'll be looking for a job shortly too. So. You better be able to approach it. I used to say I never recruit a player. Uh, that's somebody, uh, my toughest opponent is recruiting him also. Yeah. Because I got to recruit for my toughest, against my toughest opponent, whoever I play. Because if I don't do is play up to their level or they try to play up to my level, I want to be the guy that they want to try to play up to my level. Yeah. And you got to set the level of what college football is. And USC's got to have that philosophy. And uh, if you don't have it, then don't schedule them, but that's not your philosophy. And then, uh, uh, and, and, and exactly that's the way you should do it and let people know where well, we're not going to be like Alabama. So we're not going to play them anymore. Yeah. So, you know, just be, be honest with people. Hey, you know, be honest with the kids, just get it done. Whatever you schedule, get after it. Yeah. We got one last question for you, coach. Uh, it's our buddy. He's calling in and uh, play it for you. I, this question is for Ryan and the coach. We have too many running backs with too many different talents not to use. I know, Coach, you like to have a running back stay in the game, one running back, and get his rhythm and all that. But we have too many running backs that can hit your defense too many different ways. And I'm going with Keenan Christian with my question. What would you do, Coach and Ryan, with the fastest running back in NCAA football that is third or fourth string. Leave him on the bench. Not me. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, that's a difficult question because he is a great talent with great speed and and every game today requires speed and talent execution. And again, you've got to design certain offenses that take advantage of your best personnel and we've been talking about that and if he's the best that fits into the scheme that you're planning on running then i'd play him every single down and he'd be my guy but uh you know when you throw the football a lot you've got to have guys that can pass block too so it's difficult to play him every single down because they'll start blitzing on you and everything else and he's not physical enough to take on linebackers or ends and the different things that you're going to see so you more or less have to have a more physical type of back when you throw the ball all the time because of different types of uh, stunts and looks you're going to see. But I think he's a great talent. He is very fast. 
Uh, you could do a lot of things with him. I'd utilize him in, in a type of, you know, two-back offense. I think he'd be awesome when you have a big running back and a smaller running back. But I talk about that all the time. And obviously, it's not their philosophy to do that. But I think that you could have a great two-back offense with a burner and a big guy like I did with Lindell and Reggie Bush. I mean, that seemed to work pretty good. And it could continue to work when you have great talent. But right now, they they want to run all split receivers and and all of the different things that they're doing. So you can't take advantage of all your running backs. You just can't. Uh, so you got to have a philosophy. And right now, if I'm a running back, I understand I'm not going to get a lot of turns. Uh, all the receivers are going to get all the turns, but that's what we do at USC. So I really can't uh, give you a better answer than that, except tell you the true facts on, on the kid and the offense. Yeah, you know, we saw it. You know, he's a true freshman coming in there uh, last year when he was sort of forced into action. Um and, you know, there are some other issues. You're trying to be – got to be a complete college football back. Just because he's fast doesn't mean that fixes everything. You've still got to pass protect. You know, you still got to, you know, hit the hole and, you know, try to pick up the, the quick two, three yards or, you know, in short yard situations, all that kind of stuff that you want to ask your, your running back to do. Um, I feel like he can be a legit part of the offense. He can come in as some kind of change of pace. You might dump a little ball, you know, out of the backfield to him and see what he can do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's someone that you'd want, but I wouldn't put him, if you weren't going to pick one, I wouldn't put him on the field, uh, you know, over Marquis step right now. I mean, I, I think Marquis step can lead the team in carries and rushing and things like, that. I just feel like he's going to be that good and, and give that team that, you know, the kind of that mental toughness, that physical physicality that you want. So curious to see, uh, you know, if we get a season, what that's going to end up looking like and how they use those guys, but getting, Guys like Keaton Slovis to start playing in the you know in game one, uh, you know he got a lot of a lot of reps last year. You got Keaton Christian who you thought was going to redshirt and he got a lot of reps last year, so I think that just helps with depth overall. And we've seen these running backs get hurt quite a bit, so you'll probably hear a lot from Christian before uh, before the season's up if we get one. That's like I said, Brian. Let me just say this: sure. you ought to be happy you don't play against steps, okay? Because I know if I was playing against him, if he'd have gone to Notre Dame like I thought he was going to go to, if people thought, say, I'd hate to be playing Notre Dame with him running. Because I know what they would do with him and how they'd take advantage of him, okay? He's a he's a stud, man. He's a he's a football player. I mean, he'd be carrying the football for me. We'd wear down your DBs with him. He is, and if he's healthy, my gosh, nothing against the other guys, but he's my guy. I mean, the way he finished up before he got hurt, he could turn in to be a superstar. Now, if they want to bypass that, they don't want to have a superstar or whatever they want to do and get him ready to play, and if he's healthy, you know, that's that's their choice. But I'd hate to play against him. I'm going to tell you that. No, yeah, I wouldn't either, and I think he's a he's a good candidate for this, for this offense, even though Mike Jenks never really had anyone that big. He seems to love him now, so it's a good thing. So, all right, well, I guess we'll wrap things up. Hopefully this wasn't too pessimistic. I, like I said, I'm not much more of an optimistic person, but when you're reading the tea leaves before, it just seemed like everything was lining up. So the plans were going, you know, there was, there was a plan in place to get everybody on campus, to get everyone working out, to get fall camp started, to get everyone ready for that first game. And now it just seems like a lot of the plans are out the window. And with the Ivy league, uh, you know, cutting the cord, um, 
we're not sure. There's there's a lot more money at stake in the Power Five than there is in the Ivy League when it comes to football. Football loses money in the Ivy League. It it makes the, every the, all the difference in the athletic departments in the Power Five. So if there's a way to do it, I think the Power Five will do it because it's so important financially. But it just seems like to be trending in the wrong direction uh, right now. So. I'm still going to be hopeful. So my apologies if you feel like I'm being a little too uh, pessimistic uh, during the show. But, uh, yeah. No, Ryan, 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 Ryan. Don't apologize for what you're saying, okay? What we did today was be factual, okay? Yeah. Come on, Lee. Grow up, everybody. <laughs> we got a problem. We got a problem. Don't be apologizing for the play you called, okay? Yeah. That's a play you wanted to call and you called it. Now, they can agree with it or not agree with it. What we did was tell them exactly the situation. Where it is today, as far as making a decision and finding out what's best for college football and the student athletes and the whole package. So what we're saying is find out what's going on and let's get after it the way it's supposed to be. And that's basically what we said today. Nothing different than that. No one wants college football more than you and I. But let's be realistic. It's going to be a difficult thing to do. And if you do it, how are you going to do it? Just tell me that. Exactly. All right. Well, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much. For tuning into the Peristyle Podcast, we are going to keep our fingers crossed that there's a college football season. We'll keep you up to date on everything we're hearing here uh, at uscfootball.com. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.